everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 285, Two If By C, recorded May 14th, Mother's Day, 2017, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet where geeks rant. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroll, and joining me this week, as always, is, well, the only co-host I have tonight, Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hey, Mark, and welcome to the Faithful Element Opiates. I'm so glad you could partake in this voyage with us. So we record this show uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time um, so that I can, you know, get my kids in bed and stuff and ready for the school day before I have to be a podcaster. It's 7 p.m. Eastern uh, Central time for Seth, so it's not quite as late in the day. But because of weird time zone variances and the fact that Arizona doesn't recognize um, um, daylight saving time it's three in the afternoon on a sunday for miles so he makes a, a a greater sacrifice than you realize to be here every week and to ask him to be here at three o'clock in the afternoon on mother's day yeah that didn't happen so <laughs> we're milesless tonight we miss him but he will be back next week um Seth, yep. did you uh do anything special for mother's day no yep you, you don't you don't have any mothers left in your life right no yeah. So uh just came to church and then came back to church to podcast. So So what my wife uh I've I've talked about it uh on the show before that the uh the 2017 goal around the Cockrell household is the exterior of the home. We purchased the home last summer. Uh this year we're working on I've had uh, the lawn guys coming in we the the way this yard it sits on a, a big hill and it's been terraced uh, uh over the years so there's three sections of it uh one section is all deck another section is yard and then the third section is wilderness and we're trying to reclaim the wilderness so i've had various people of south american descent uh working in the the south 40 40 as i call it that lower tier uh to reclaim that cut down the small trees clear out the vines that sort of stuff we've re uh reseeded the lawn because there was nothing but a, a little bit of patchy moss um and uh we're gonna have the decks repainted just you know months uh, every month we throw a couple hundred bucks at it well for mother's day my wife decided she wanted outdoor furniture and i've talked about it before as to how expensive outdoor furniture is just to give you some context we have um a couch and a uh love seat in our living room we have five people in our home five seats there works nicely together that cost maybe eighteen hundred dollars no it's certain certainly not high-end furniture but you know we're not paupers either um and we bought that a few years ago we went looking for outdoor furniture today and it was like that sofa over there that seats three people yeah that's thirty seven hundred dollars i'm sorry what say that again uh, so if we wanted to outfit our upper deck with a dining room uh set outdoor dining set and the lower deck with some lounge furniture and then the patio lawn area with lawn furniture essentially three areas we could have had we not had been been morons easily spent twenty thousand dollars yesterday my wife who is every salesman's dream would have just whipped out the credit card and said we'll worry about it later because she uh she just gets sucked in by any sales pitch any at all and so the guy's like you know this is the prime furniture it's the best ever it's going to last you uh you know 30 years and i said yeah honey it probably will last 30 years but think about this realistically we're going to spend an hour a week on it optimistically probably less so in 20 years we will have spent 100 hours on it and you want to spend twenty thousand dollars on 100 hours of use Ah, just no, let's let's back the bus up a little bit. But we did we were able to compromise and compromise means me saying, "No, you can't have that. We can't afford it." <laughs> uh but we have uh, a nice uh dining area set and some uh, uh, an outdoor sofa and a couple of chairs coming uh later next week. So that's what I did for pre-Mother's Day yesterday. Literally spent all day sitting on various forms of wicker and iron. So <laughs> it that's what happens when you get married. Ah, the struggle is real, people. The struggle is real. Yeah, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Anybody out there who has a mother, uh, go give her a call. This is three days late. If you didn't, if you hear this on Wednesday and you're an American and you didn't realize that today, Sunday, was Mother's Day, you're, you're in big trouble. Go call your mom and then send her a flower or something. 
because no 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 what you do is you say mom something happened to amazon prime and it got shipped to my house by mistake i'm bringing it over on friday when i get off work so that way you can then order something off amazon prime and take it over friday and then you know she'll uh she'll probably buy the lie that she knows you're lying and you know you're lying but she's a mom and moms do that because you know they put up with the crap kids do for don't do for them so yeah so family togetherness by subterfuge and dishonesty that that makes sense that's uh um yeah don't do that people (laughs) i just hey i'm trying to help you know or hurt i don't know but at the end of the day um you know, I've said it's a good match many times. Uh, we get to go see uh, superhero movies because I like superheroes and she likes muscly guys with no shirts on. So we went to see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yesterday. And I will give you my spoiler-free review of it. Um, fun time, not a good movie. Now, I said that about the first one, if you may recall. The first one was a really fun experience. Two hours well spent. I've watched it three or four times in the last year but not a good movie in terms of storytelling and character development. Uh, just not a good movie, just a fun time. And I've said, you know, before I don't need something to be both. Something can be good and it can be fun. And if it's really good, it's both good and fun. Um, uh, but guardians of the galaxy was less good. Even the second one was less good. Even than the first one, the characters were weak. The plot was weaker. I mean, the, the what I, I, this is not even a spoiler, but there is a point at which, they set out to kill an immortal being and they do it in an almost Laurel and Hardy fashion. Um, and it's fun, but it's not good storytelling. So there's my review of it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean that kind of, you say you seem a little harder on it than I was, you know, I didn't think it was as good as the first guardians of the galaxy, but a solid mid tier, marvel cinematic experience you know above the iron man two or three i didn't like winter soldier near as much as you did um and the brief ultron sighting avengers 2 um are like you know dredging up the bottom of the marvel universe um so i think this is a good middle one uh with the first captain america i don't know so yeah you won't miss it i mean you like the 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 uh first captain america way more than i did i didn't think it was very good um so you know just we look for different things in different movies right uh but it was a lot of fun and baby groot is awesome um you know there's a couple of times in there where there's an intense picture um you know fighting galactic aliens while chasing a toddler um and that was sort of the way they played baby groot and it was it was really fun it was great the uh the soundtrack um was was good as always it was a lot of fun um just you know there was more humor there was more humor in this one drax had better lines in this one uh but that third act it just fell apart in the worst possible ways yeah it got too serious for too long you know that a different set of characters i think could have stayed in that realm that long but with the guardians they're it's they're too fun loving easy going to spend that much time you know on the razor's edge of emotion and death and everything right. so and and one of the characters was literally unconscious during the climax <laughs> there's talk about underused characters <laughs> right um, the one that's probably the most enjoyable right um and so, you know, the, the, we've teased it all around, uh, but, uh, you know, and my wife was disappointed there was only like one 30-second scene of Chris Pratt with no shirt on. So even on that uh, that uh, vein, it just, it was disappointing. Of course, Drax was was half naked the whole time, and, and you find out why, and that was funny. Um, right. Lots of humor. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't even have any idea what you're talking about, so ready, go, Seth. All right. Um, Arisen, which... Okay, it's like it's sort of like military science fiction, but it's it's zombie literature, and these are like imagine the baddest special forces uh, operators in the world um, trying to hold the last vestiges of humanity together while they're looking for a cure, fighting off. Uh, hundreds and thousands of undead and the undead are starting to mutate and anyway it's just it's i have read i 
where a guy I used to work really loved this series, and it's up to like it's going to rival Honor Harrington books probably before too long. And I had bought the first omnibus, um, and I had got it. I had it shipped to work, and it came the day I got fired. <laughs> So good thing it came in and not a day or two later. But uh, so I, I read that and then I used my free book uh, for from Amazon Prime this month to get the second omnibus. So, you know, I basically got three books for one or this one might have been four. Um, but it took me two and a half days to read it. So and I am a binge reader. So there was, I, of course, it's kind of like the equivalent of reading three or four books. But anyway, zombie, you wouldn't like it, Mark. Uh, not your not your style. But if you like the the science fiction, if you like a military fiction, um, you know, small arms, small unit stuff, not big space battles, but this team of five people trying to survive zombie infestation. I really enjoy it. Um, over the top, not really believable, aside from the whole zombie stuff, but enjoyable reading nonetheless. I just finished a book um, that it's it's esoteric. Not everybody's going to like it, but I really enjoyed it. It's called The Adventure of English, and it's a, a history of the English language, um, starting with you know when the Norman invaders uh, invaded Brittany and and essentially. Uh, married both their culture and their language with the Welsh who were there and the Dutch um, and going all the way through uh, the modern era. I think the book was written in 2003 or four, so it doesn't cover uh, the last <clears throat> decade or so. But it's an interesting treatment of of the story of a language. And one of the interesting points that it uh, recurring themes throughout the book is that English has a unique ability to, to uh, consume another language claim it and then spit it back out as if it were English. Like for example, the word hotel is not an English word. It's a French word. Um, but English consumed it and then spit it back out all over the world. So that now when you go to France, Italy, uh, Japan and use the word hotel, you're using an English word that was only English eyes because English said, this is my word now. And it really draws the picture of of this, you know, eight hundred pound gorilla uh, traipsing through time and continents, saying, uh, "You're my word now. You're my word now. Um, all you people there, you now speak English just because you have to, um, and because you know the British Empire or you know whichever empire at the time uh, uh, required that you speak English." And and of course, the, the it talked about the. You know, uh, English went across the sea and became American English, and then Americans began to dominate. And so now most English today that are spoken in Japan and in West Africa and in Sumatra is American English and not English English. Uh, so it's, uh, again, it's very esoteric stuff, kind of dry, but if you're into linguistics and into history, it was a great, great story, and I recommend it. The Adventure of English. Huh, so okay, you listened to it. Do you, yes. do you think it would be a good read? Um, yeah, I do. Um, what I think it was a better experience as being read because it was an English man reading an English accent um uh about the English language. Uh so when you read it, um when you read it, you're going to put your own slant on all of it. And you know, there's lots of old English there and, and Norse, and so I wouldn't know how to pronounce the old English words like the the reader who read it, you know, studied and was trained on how to read that. So I do think it is a better story to be read to you by a, a person well-trained in the art of speaking those languages. But I, I think as a read, it would still be good. Huh. Because I would, I mean, A Way With Words is becoming one of my all-time favorite podcasts. And I would love... I think I would love to hear that book. I don't think I would like to read it because words that, you know, I don't know. Huh, I might have to, uh, I might have to use one of my, uh, Amazon prime books on that. There you go. Um, yeah, I think I hadn't really thought about that, but I really do think this word is, this work is probably best read by somebody who understands different tongues. Because uh, there's lots of German and lots of of uh, Old Norse and that sort of stuff that ha were I reading it, I would just struggle or even just skip over it and say, oh, yeah, right. that passage there. Whereas this guy, we had actually had a guy uh, reading the words. And what I assume 
uh, is a passable old Norse accent. I don't know that, but you know, it was at least was something that I could grasp hold of. Hmm. Good question. I, I never would have thought of that because I consume all my works by audio, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Huh? I mean, cause I, I, if, if you just, if you hung around me, you wouldn't know that stuff like that. I really dig. So, but I mean, you know, if you just hung around me a little bit, you probably know that about me, but, uh, I'm I'm looking for I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to uh, how I'm, how I am going to consume this work now. Yeah. yeah, culture defines language. Language defines culture. You cannot separate one from the other. You can't learn a language without first learning the culture, and you can't understand a culture without knowing its language. Uh, so it's if you're a, uh, an armchair historian like both Seth and I are, um, you you must have a love of languages. Um, I I speak pieces more pieces of languages than he does. Uh, but he has the same interest from a that armchair uh, sociologist sort of mentality uh, that well, I do. And even even in your faith, um, you know, like because this greatly impacts how you view Christianity. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not going to get into the religion today podcast, but if you take the Bible literally, what do you? How do you know that the word being said? wasn't meant to be taken literal but it was an idiom you know if i say i'm throwing in the towel you understand that i'm giving up but somebody who translates that literally thinks i took a towel and threw it into a building somewhere but no it meant so you know but so we understand you know the culture that that came from boxing that oh he's giving up and so the way you would translate that into another culture do you translate the idiom? Do you translate the word or do you translate the meanings? And then that can greatly skew your message because the person translating understood the words, but didn't understand the culture and said, Seth took a towel and threw it in this building somewhere. He wasn't clear on that. And then the other person who knew the culture said, Seth gave up. And then two people go, no, see that you can't trust either one of them because they're saying two different things. So, Fun times. And one of the things that I liked about this author was he, I, I said earlier that he talked about the power that be, uh, there were multiple powers. Uh, of course the, the English empire was a military power, but before the English empire was a military power, the, the church, the, the English church, the Bible in English was a, as big a power as the, the British Navy. And then later well, yeah. it wasn't the American military that gave it the power, but the American economy. They gave it the power. So he, he really delves into what is the actual driving force, not just the country, not just the military, but the actual driving force that makes a language, uh, you know, pervasive. But, you know, one of the reasons that the English Bible was so profound was the persecution of Mary, the Queen Mary, who kind of tried to drive the Protestants out. And so they took their Bibles with them and they sprang up all around and you know the the geneva study bible was even for 50 years after the king james bible was produced was still the best-selling english bible around and so you know religion and culture and all that has a big impact and i don't know sorry this is not this is not religion today (laughs) well you know you can you can understand you can talk about history of of religious ideals without uh, go turning into theology Um, right that believe it or you know whether you like it or not uh, you know there are people who would who say that 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 religious thinking has held humanity back for centuries uh whether you accept that or not you can't deny the impact of religious thinking on culture for all recorded time yeah and you know the noah webster who wrote the first american dictionary he pretty much set out to define most every word in it by its biblical context. And so, you know, the three books most Americans had in their home was they had a Bible, they had a dictionary, which used the Bible as definitions, and then they had like Shakespeare. So back in the olden days. Right. So yeah, it had a it had a big impact uh, on the way this country thought and the language and even the idioms that have solely faded out as, you know, people aren't as familiar with the source material. All right, moving on. I don't have any uh, listener feedback this week. Um, you guys have apparently taken some time off from that, uh, so we'll hopefully get back to you next week. And now we'll just jump straight into the news. Um, I, I want to, well, we'll just go in order here. Uh, so the uh, the open source license is once again uh, validated in a court. 
Yes. So a federal court has ruled that an open source license is an enforceable contract. Um, this um, open source PDF interpreter called GhostScript was released under the uh, GNU GPL, the GNU General Public License. And so that public license says that any software you develop using this has to either be has to be basically open sourced as well, or you can pay the developer a fee to license it. And so um, this uh, developer from South Korea did a suite of productivity apps, and he incorporated this, but he made it proprietary. He earned money off of it, made you know a, a decent amount, and but he refused to open source his product, and he refused to license it um, in the way you would traditional software licensing. And so... The company sent him a letter. They ignored it. So then the company took him to court, and then he filed a motion saying, hey, bleep you. And the court said, no, we'll go to trial over this. And so there's, it's currently under a lawsuit, but the court agreed with the position of the copyright that this is an enforceable contract. So on the one hand, it's good for open source but on the other hand it's bad for you and all of the times you click i agree um and you don't ever read saying that you have agreed and you will abide by the licensing contract so it's a double-edged thing good for open source but you know bad for the end user maybe but good for the end user too and that's that's one of the reasons that a lot of people shy away from the gpl the gpl um is very uh wide uh, wide reaching. It says if any part of your code is GPL code, all of your code must be GPL. You can't incorporate it. Uh, that's why other people uh, use like the Berkeley license or the Apache license. The Apache license is much more business friendly. It says you only have to open source the parts of the code that were already op- open sourced when you used it. So you can't take something open slap a proprietary label on it and sell it. Uh, you can sell it all you want, but if somebody asks for the code, you have to give them the code that you that was already open when you grabbed it. GPL says if you use one line of GPL in your... I'm, I'm oversimplifying lawyers, then put down the phones. Um, but basically it says if, if uh, any one line of your code is GPL, all your code must be GPL. And a lot of people <clears throat> um, will snag an open source tool not really paying attention to that and find out that they've open sourced their entire project. Um, Sometimes you want to open source your whole project. Sometimes you don't. uh, And you need to be very aware of the type of license that you are using. No, definitely. And so, yeah, uh, you know, we talked before about open source and patenting and licensing and stuff. So I thought this was an interesting story to bring Mm up. So, you know, and it has of the time of the story uh, that there isn't a final resolution yet. Like, for example, all anything that I do on Element OP uh, website, any of our podcasts, um, it uses, uh, of course, a software license wouldn't be appropriate there. It uses the Creative Commons license. And what I say there is that you can take this uh, and you can redistribute it, you can make copies of it, you can reproduce it uh, in its entirety. You cannot um, edit it. You cannot change it. You cannot um, uh, make derivations of it. You can cut it up and distribute pieces of it, but you cannot um, use pieces of it in your own work and call it your own work. That's part of it. That's the the no derivations. And then the other one is uh, share alike. Uh, you can't sell my product. Uh, if you take my product, um, you can give it away, but you can't sell it. That's the share and share alike. Um, and so there's all kinds of different licenses. For whatever work you want to do, you can pretty much decide whatever decide your rules. Copyright is like that. If you create something, uh, you can decide whatever the rules are. The danger comes when you take somebody else's work and they've decided the rules. And if you're not careful, uh, Stallman has just decided the rules for your product. And that's what happened in this guy's case. Right. But just the way that this person responded to the whole thing, it's like he didn't care. It's like, Hey, you know, bleep you. I mean, that was his, he was just kind of flipping about it and didn't seem to care. Um, at least that's the impression I got from reading the article. So it it wasn't a case of, 
I didn't mean to do that. It was like a case of I got this product for free, so I didn't have to do the work and I'm going to make all the money off of it. And that's your bad luck for making it freely available. Right. And the ghost script people, that's the software that he's talking about. Ghost script. They have an alternative license. You can purchase their software and they will uh, sell it to you um, for, you know, whatever the fee is. And then you can make it closed source. Right. But so he, he flipped them the bird and said, um, no, I'm going to use your product in a way other than you intended. And there's nothing you can do about it. And the, the court said, ah, it turns out there is something they can do about it. Uh, right. It's nice. I like seeing these sort of things in federal courts. Um, I like these decisions finally being put into law instead of being argued about on the Internet. Right. I don't know, Mark, man. If if we can't argue about stuff like this, then that just means there's going to be more cat videos out there. <laughs> That's so. a good point. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's always tricky in business to to know how to differentiate yourself. You know, this guy's trying to to sell his product, but he needed a feature um, that that people would want. And, and the ability to to edit and produce PDFs was a feature he wanted. You know, lots of lots of people are trying to differentiate themselves in their feature set, including HP, who says that the best way to differentiate themselves from other people is to install uh, keyloggers right there built in to your system. Right. But, you know, the thing is, they make it freely available to everyone. So, you know, kudos to them for taking a tool of the hacking community and giving it to everyone. Uh, he said facetiously, but yeah, so apparently they use this driver, um, connects it. Um, they manufacture audio chips and his part of their driver software, it logs every keystroke you do on your computer and saves it in an unencrypted file on your hard drive. Now true. It gets overwritten when you boot up and stuff, but man, that means when you typed in your password at your bank, you typed in your password at your Bitcoin account, and you know Bitcoin's getting valuable. So anything you type in, it's there on your computer to see. You know, with all of the, with how easy it is to get infected, just giving this, it's saying, hey, people, come try to get my passwords because they're all here in this nice document that everybody who knows see users public, you know mictrade.log and you can see everything i've ever typed on my computer so and you know this is dumb on so many levels right. it's an audio driver why would an audio driver ever need to capture login credentials um th well, that makes no sense to me at all i mean i could understand if there is an issue with the driver activate this switch or something to see if there's something they're doing i mean i can understand this being a useful troubleshooting tool but not something that you would have installed and turned on by default that's the that's the bonehead dumb play yeah um and that's just not paying attention this is a prepackaged thing you know ap is not trying to all your base or belong to us they're just not paying attention and if they're not paying attention about this, what else are they not paying attention about? You know, it's, it's, to me, this is a, this is a, I don't know. It just, it's, I used to like HP and, uh, you know, now they just, they, they got front runners disease. Uh, the only problem was they weren't front runners at the time <laughs> and, uh, they just, they turned stupid. So congratulations hp you know you've screwed up but and, again you know every you, company does you could maybe see this as some sort of revenue i mean if you're looking if you're trying to be uh conspiratorial about it you could see this as as some way to generate revenue by uh by sharing your information i, I really don't think that's the case but companies they need to find ways to make money and in a popular thing to do right now is to take something you've already paid for and then make you pay for something else like for example alexa once you've paid for the product now they're going to make you listen to ads too yay woohoo and so now this isn't amazon doing this this is a third-party company um voice labs a what i don't even know what that word is chunderficially I'm gonna, I just Googled that word. Uh, they are described as a voice experience analytics company. They're hoping to cash in on Amazon's success by inserting, quote, six to 15 second long advertisements at the start 
and end of conversation. This, the company hopes, can naturally lead a consumer into an experience, which is a polite way of saying we will make you buy all the things. So here is the conversation. Hey, Alexa, what time is it? It's time for you to get up off your couch and go to Gold's Gym where you get a two-for-one-month membership, and the current time is 6.15. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that I... I just, I hate this, but you know, it's just the, the cacophony of crap that pollutes our atmosphere and noise is just something that, ha, huh, this makes me want to, even though it's not Amazon doing it, this makes me never want to have a, a, an Amazon device in my house. Yeah. So this is the, this is the uh, same as, you know, an Android guy making a, an app um, wants to make some money so he can subscribe to a third party service and they put apps, uh, uh, ads in his app. He doesn't, he's not aware of what the ads are. Uh, he has no control over them. He just, uh, uh, assigns, you know, a 40 pixel by, uh, 80 pixel, whatever, uh, section of the app and that ads will be displayed there. And these for, these are skill people who are making skills for, uh, the Amazon echo. Uh, and a skill can be anything from, you know, order me a pizza to, uh, you know, hail me an Uber, whatever. Uh, and these people are going to monetize their skills by subscribing to this service who are going to put voice to text ads in it. So you're going to, you're going to do the skill, Alexa, order me my, my favorite, uh, um, pizza from Domino's. Great. And did you know that Pepsi goes really well with uh, pizza and Domino's has a special right now, uh, buy a two liter, uh, get one free. Uh, and you didn't ask for that. The developer wasn't aware of really of what it was going to be there. He just clicked the yes, make me money button. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't like it because you know, if you can put it before and after that means it's going to be put before and after. So this little five second talk has turned into a minute of listening to Alexa drone on about crap and who wants that in their life? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I understand people want to make money. You know, I don't, I'm not going to develop this thing if it doesn't make me any money. I, I get that, but I just, I don't mind stuff on the screen. Um, but I just, I, and it's more because I just, the way I don't like a lot of noise um, because when I'm in a crowd, it's like I hear everything loud at the same volume. And so I, I just, I, I value my lack of noise around me. And that's why I live in the country. And that's why I'm not going to have, um, that's why I'm not going to order anything from Alexa. And that's because of uh, this. It, it brings me back to my mantra. That's it's become my theme of 2017. Pay for what you like. You know how to prevent this? You pay for what you like. You pay 30 cents for that uh, pizza ordering app, and you don't have to have ads. Except lots of people right now don't even give you the option to pay for it because ads are relatively lucrative. Uh, so that's something that the economy is just going to have to sort out on its own. Yeah, and, you know, I just I don't like it. Which I understand. I understand people. That means it's going to thrive because I am so outside the norm that I am a reverse predictor of most things technology. Um, if I don't like them, that means most people will because most people don't care. And uh, arg. Yeah, and it's there's always that balance between. Um the what the developer needs and what the customer needs and obviously the developer needs to serve the customer but uh you know you can't necessarily have the tail wagging the dog steve jobs uh famously uh you know said things like the customer you don't ask the customer what they want you tell them what they want uh and it's 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 always a challenge developers are the same thing sure you want to order a pizza but you don't want to pay 30 cent, uh, cents for the privilege of ordering a pizza so we'll stick an ad in there but you don't like the ad either so uh, there's there it, we've come to a stalemate where i can't give you what you want and make money at it i can't get what i need and microsoft is no different in this uh, uh their new latest operating system windows 10 s which is for surface they're fighting that balance between what microsoft needs and what people need uh and what they've decided that you don't ever need is any browser other than microsoft edge right or any search provider other than bing so you know on the one hand hey i you can install another app or another browser on your android phone but you know it's going to default 
to you know chrome or whatever it's same thing with apple you can install whatever that WebKit crap safari um or you can install something else but it's always going to go to that so on the one hand hey this is microsoft developing the microsoft product and they are by no means a monopoly in the hardware business there are several other companies that produce uh a surface clone um and you you know and the surface will run the regular windows experience but if you're going to purchase a surface from microsoft you're going to get not the regular windows you're going to get a quote unquote optimized windows that is only going to have edge has the default it's only going to have bing as a search and you're only going to be able to install stuff from the windows store which is something i hate about uh, my tablet um, when I went to install I have 8.1 I went to install Skype on it I had to um, install like the I couldn't just go to the website and install it I had to install through the thing and so it linked to my Skype account to my Hotmail address and I can't get those unlinked and so curse you Microsoft you know you are Corbin to me again for that so I, uh, but at the same time, this is their hardware, their software, they should have the right to do it. So, you know, one, does anybody, is anybody going to use S? Because if you think of 10S, the way you thought of Windows RT, it's really going to suck. Um, and so, yes, they're trying to lock it down. Will anybody care? Well, the, the, the big market for this, and, you know, I'm still so, somewhat connected to those circles, uh, is in education. Um, schools are looking to buy inexpensive uh, 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 hand personal computing devices. Uh, the Chromebook is currently uh, crushing that market. For a while, it was iPads, then it was Android tablets, and now the Chromebook is the darling. Uh, Microsoft wants to get in on that, and this is a selling point for them. This is central management. You can give your kids these uh, these tablets, and they can't install anything that doesn't come through your our vetted store. Um, uh, they're limited in their abilities. For example, um, you could get Firefox or Chrome uh, on it through the Microsoft Store, except Firefox and Chrome aren't in the Microsoft Store. You can get Opera Mini. Uh, you can throw that on there, but none of those can ever be hooked in as the default browser. So anytime you click on a, a web link, it's going to open uh, Edge. As an end user, as me buying a device, owning that device, and wanting to do my life with it, that's misery. But as a as a tech admin, and I need to make sure everything works uh, the same way across a thousand devices, that's that's music to my ears. So that's the market that Microsoft is going for here. They're, they're pitching it to um, businesses, but really, I don't think businesses are, are going to be buying uh, these. Uh, the, I think the real play is in education, uh, elementary and secondary education uh but really the the price point is still uh cost product uh, prohibitive so you you have a product here that doesn't really have a market doesn't really have a sales base so naturally microsoft is throwing everything behind it because that's what they do yeah i man i just we're getting to the point and you know in a lot of ways we're already there where what where your hardware you're locked into your hardware by your previous decisions it is it is it's a pain in the bobo hiney to go from a you watch and, your language <laughs> no i don't want to watch that um to go from a uh an android device to an apple device yeah uh, you know or um of course if you were on a windows device it's easy to switch because there was never anything on a windows device mobily but um so you know because you've got the you've got the chrome you've got the android way of doing things you got the uh the apple way of doing things there and so and now windows is trying to say hey they've locked in tremendous user bases and then they've they've got them locked in forever you know so hey let's do that too so on the one hand it's good because you know once you get a customer you got them for life because even if they don't like the experience they like the experience well enough that they hate that they are not going to try the switching experience again so they dislike switching more than they dislike your current product and then eventually it'll just be oh well that's you know i use a windows thing so i'm gonna stu be stuck with the windows 10s or whatever the the 12s or the the idiot s whatever they call their next os and so on the one hand i see it 
and I don't have a problem with them doing it, but I hate that. Cho- but most people don't care. They want to be told how to do something because the choice. I mean, I was trying to teach somebody how to use PowerPoint, and you know, I would right click. I would highlight something with my mouse, click and drag to highlight, right click copy, go over to another screen, go over to another slide, right click paste. Well, one time I control A, control C, you know, alt tab, control V, and they didn't understand what I did because one time I use a mouse, they, they didn't want to know the keyboard option. They only wanted to know one way to do something. So, you know, people, there will be people who eat this up. Will it be enough for them to, and will it survive the, I don't know, I, I think it could easily survive the EU antitrust thing because it's a, you know, it's a proprietary piece of technology, but I just don't think enough people are going to care. Yeah, vendor lock-in is sort of the golden uh, canary, no, that's not the word, the golden goose. Um, if you can get somebody locked into your platform, uh, and, and a, a perfect example, a friend of mine a while back uh, bought, uh, tried his first iPhone and it was six months of misery getting everything from his Android experience into his iPhone experience to, to work in the same way. Uh, so sure you could load the Google app and still use your Gmail. Uh, there were, there were always workarounds, but to, to get everything syncing properly to iCloud and to get the same experience it took him piece by piece to get him and his his uh, wife and his kids uh, over it took six months and now he has said i'm never leaving apple not because i love their products but because i hated that experience i'm never going to go through that again and that's music to a to a hardware vendor's ears yes we won we wore them down and we made it so miserable and so terrible uh that they'll never leave that's why comcast is such terrible customer service when you try to cancel they want you to get tired of sitting on hold they want you to decide not to drive 50 miles to the nearest drop-off location where you can drop off your uh, uh hardware they want you to just have be so miserable trying to quit them that you stay with them it's this is a science that has been uh, perfected over the years of abusing your customers so that they stay with you because leaving you is so miserable yep and because they're the big companies they pay the big money to make it legal um you know of course they they just lobby and give money to the government because they love it and want it to work right it's not it's not about crushing competition it would never be about that but uh you know, and sometimes staying with somebody is the absolute worst thing you can do. Like, for example, if you're still still using Windows XP and you haven't updated, it's the worst thing you could possibly be doing. And, uh, you know, something like 150,000 uh, uh, computers were hit in a, in a day by uh, a, an attack called uh, cry, WannaCry um, ransomware. And it, it all exploited vulnerabilities that are months to years old. And so much so that Microsoft has come out and said, we're going to patch Windows 7 and Windows XP, two things that we've said are dead, because this thing is um, is causing such havoc. And when I read this, you know, part of me says, wow, this is newsworthy because, you know, 75,000 computers in 99 countries were affected in a short period of time, just in less than a day. And But then I read farther down and I see that all of the exploits were well-known exploits that should have been patched just by not preventing your computers from updating. If you did nothing but let your computers update themselves automatically, you would not be hit by this. So this is really a case of thinning the herd, and I'm, I'm having a hard time having any compassion for these people. Yeah, but if you let your computers update automatically, all of a sudden you come in one day and you have Windows 10 when you didn't want it. Good point. You know? So it's one of those things. Um, Microsoft created the turn-off automatic updates by bleeping their customers yet again. And then so because of that customers are leery to do updates and leery to let them just install by default so then they've created this toxic environment that allows i mean there's always the zero day stuff but that allows repackaged old vulnerabilities to incite fear and hysteria on the internet so they're a victim of their own crappy customer bleeping so i i don't feel bad I mean, I do feel bad for the people because 
they are reacting, trying to protect themselves from Microsoft screwing them, and they're getting screwed by an unknown person who has not just made their machine unwieldy but unusable by ransom it, and who backs up. You know, the people who don't update are also the people who don't back up. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, their stuff is held hostage and they don't know what to do. Yeah, if you still have critical data on a Windows XP machine, you're not a backup person. Right. Um, somebody did find a kill switch for this and quickly propagated that. And uh, Microsoft uh, quickly updated their Windows Defender software. Uh, and what's uh, what's the new one? Defender is the old name. The No, Defender is the name. Security Essentials is the old name. Um, so it, the, it minimized the impact of it. But still, it just goes to show you that... that um, it this it's that whole catch 22 again where um the the vendors have created um a nightmarish scenario where you you can't uh, if you update you get something you don't want if you don't update you get screwed um either way you're going to get screwed you don't have a choice in the matter um that's why i'm running windows 10 on the the production system that that i'm using right now i don't like it i don't want it but it was either that or not have my machine patched anymore microsoft forced me to move along and um you know that, that's just the way it is and I, i'm going along with them I, I said earlier the reason i'm on using windows on this thing is because there aren't good tools for linux linux guys uh, i dare you to prove me wrong um but when it comes to to podcasting and video editing that there aren't tools that are comparable there are tools that you can get by on but there aren't tools that are comparable that will do the same job with the same ease on the same hardware so right. there you go, and that's it. Those are our news stories. Five. I was say, but Mark, next year, the year of the Linux desktop, all of that's going <laughs> to. Yes, twenty eighteen <laughs> is the year of the Linux. We'll finally draw a uh, beat ten percent. Um, <laughs> beat. Let's get to it first. <laughs> um, that that didn't seem like much. It was five stories, but we still managed to spend forty five minutes talking about them because that's how we roll. Um, and now, Seth, tell me what happened this week in history. All right. On May the 12th, 1941, German engineer Konrad Zuse unveils the Z3, now generally recognized as the first fully functional programmable computer. Because Germany was fighting World War II, not much was known about the Z3 until after the war. That happened this week in history, Mark. And now back to you. And so the, the distinction there, programmable computers, uh, is that a computer that most computers prior to that point, all computers prior to that point, uh, could do a predetermined task. They right. were designed either in hardware to do a task or their software was designed to do a task. Programmable means that it can do multiple tasks. It can adjust its functioning based on what you wanted to do. That was that was a revolution. We take that for granted now, uh, but somebody had to do it first, and it was those pesky Nazis that did it first. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm glad we won the war. I don't know. <laughs> um, and now this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. What do you think about open source licenses or ransomware or ads in your uh, uh, custom bought hardware or books or movies, whatever? Go to elementop.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page, answer the world's hardest captcha, fill out the form and uh, click send and that will come to my inbox and you'll get priority there. Or you can dial uh, 559-IMOP, leave us a voicemail on our Google voice box and we'll most likely play it right here on the air, uh, on the air, on the bits, on the waves, on the data capsule. Most things wireless, so it's back on the air. There there we go. It's back on the air. or uh, you can send an email to geekrant at elementop.com. That goes to both uh, Seth, Miles, and myself. I said both and then said three people. That goes to all of us, Seth, Miles, and myself. And so uh, lest you think I am filtering your responses to them, you really want to send something to Seth and you don't think you can't trust me to get it to him, geekrant at elementop.com will do that. Uh, and now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity other than filling the freaking oceans this week so that <laughs> you're, uh, you look like a better hiring option than and whatever i said okay this can be kind of funny um talk obama to dot me um basically now, wait i have to your southern accent made that sound like taco obama talk obama okay. talk obama Speak. yeah to to dot 
M-E. So talk Obama to me. Um, basically, it's a website, and then it gives you a little thing. You type in some phrase. Uh, can it be like 180 characters? And you hit talk, and then you will hear President Obama. You can make President Obama say whatever you want. Um, there are I, places. I'll remember it all my life. Though some have changed. Some forever. And not for better. Some have gone and some remain. Wow, somebody it, spent some time on that. Well, it sometimes is hard because if if they don't have the word, they'll try to they'll break it down into syllables and stuff. So I you won't be able to hear this, but I'm saying I had him say I was not born here. Just why not? <laughs> you know because that will appeal to a certain segment of the american population um your video is being processed wow this that it and it took it quite a while for it to come up with that so anyway talk obama me, and then you can make obama say whatever you want it, it has you know it has possibilities so I just processed uh, a couple of things that I learned to say, uh, learned to type in typing class. It's thinking about it. It's thinking about it. It's taking a little while. Makes it, It's obviously indexing um, copies of his speeches. Quick, brown fox, jumper over the lazy dog. Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their door shelves. <laughs> Interesting. I said country and it came out their shells or something. Um, so the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog that messed it up. So it had to put the syllables together like you were talking about. Right. So, All right. That, you know, that's interesting. That's, yeah. uh, some serious engineering went into that. Yep. You know, it, it, it's, it's like I always say, and by always, I mean, from now on going forward, can all be midgets and backyard roller coasters. <laughs> And with that, um, it's time for us to say goodnight. Thank you, listener, for hanging out with us, Seth. As always, thanks for your uh, stalwartness. Uh, Miles, uh, no offense, uh, no harm. We still love you. Glad to have you. Miles really wanted to be here. He takes this seriously. And he was like, he had to take his daughter to the airport uh, was one of the things he had to do. And he was, he, I, I swear he was like thinking, can I Uber that? And can I get out of my family responsibility? He was seriously uh, hating missing this. And so uh, we missed you two miles. Glad to have you back. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week. And so this is Mark saying, pay for what you like. 